to Civil War Talk Radio with host Jerry Prokopovich. Our program covers all aspects of Civil War history, from the battlefields to the home fronts, and features guest experts, plus insight from your host as they discuss the most critical period in American history. Now, here is your host, Jerry Prokopovich. This is Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. A recent scholarly article claimed that Civil War historians don't think much of social media or make much use of it. Well, you and I are here tonight, proving that's not entirely true, but it's not true in a growing swath of the Civil War community. Tonight we'll learn about the history of Civil War Pittsburgh, not from a book, not even from a website, but from a Facebook page. It's been created by our guest tonight, Rich Condon, who will tell us about Civil War Pittsburgh on Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This week's episode is sponsored by Simon & Schuster, publishers of Vicksburg, Grant's campaign that broke the Confederacy by Donald L. Miller. In epic and sweeping fashion, Vicksburg chronicles the Union's year-long campaign to take Vicksburg and split the Confederacy while also arguing that the conquest of Vicksburg was the pivotal turning point of the war. Drawing on countless letters, diaries, and documents, Vicksburg vividly reconstructs the campaign from the viewpoints of soldiers, officers, Slaves and Citizens. It's an important book for your Civil War library and it's available now wherever books are sold. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all of our show archives on demand. All from your iOS, Amazon Kindle, or Android device. Download it from the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U dot E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, coming to you tonight from the Civil War Talk Radio World Headquarters Annex in the field at Oxford Road in Greenville, North Carolina. Not on campus tonight. That's the campus of East Carolina University but not speaking for ECU, even when I'm there, not speaking for anyone but myself. Uh, And likewise, our guest will represent only himself, as we always do on Civil War Talk Radio. Lots has gone on in the past week. Lots is going on tonight. It's uh, October 30th of 2019, so as you're hearing this, you already know the outcome of tonight's Game 7 of the World Series, which will end after the show is recorded, so... uh, If you're listening live, you can still see the show. Some people like hearing the sports report at the beginning of the show. Some people don't. I like it when it's good. For example, Michigan's primetime beatdown of Notre Dame last week was good. Uh, ECU's equally devastating loss, not so good. But uh, we're not here to talk sports. Uh, We are here to talk civil war. But before getting to that... um, There's lots of news here on campus. Uh, In particular, we've lost another chancellor. Uh, Chancellor Gerlach, who was the interim chancellor, was suspended for being filmed on social media, going out drinking with students on a weeknight. Uh, Probably not the best example to set. 
and apparently uh, the the uh, evidence of, of his poor judgment was sufficient uh, based on, on films that were have appeared of, of how he was carrying on that night enough that he has resigned so we are once again without a, a chancellor uh, not for the first time in the past year even it, it's it's a, a wild time here at at ECU uh, specifically at ECU we're also having fun with uh, technology the IT department this past week uh, changed our uh, email system so that you have to log on twice or use an a second device to log on to campus email if you're off campus, which I am right now, for example, uh, a double sign-in process. It makes sense. I understand the, the need for it. But when the memo said, it'll take you about 10 minutes to set this up, I got cold chills because normally IT says, this is simple. It'll only take a minute. And that means it'll take 10 minutes to 30 minutes. When they tell you it's going to take 10 minutes, it means it's going to take an hour and a half. And that's what it took me. Uh, to get that squared away, but it seems to have worked. So tonight, uh, talking to you from uh, from home, not from the office, it has been a big health week. Uh, as I get older, I really want to make sure this does not turn into the Civil War talk radio and old guy talking about his health hour. You don't want to hear that. Uh, I'll just say I had a tooth extracted yesterday, a heart stress test today, and that kind of stuff is just going to keep piling on as the years go by. But soldiering on, no real problem. Finally, the real Civil War talk radio news to share with you tonight is, uh, the, as you will hear later in the show, we have a sponsor. Uh, you've been hearing the uh, notes play, the, the, the messages played between segments for years uh, from our hosts at Voice America. And I've never gone out and sought actual paying sponsors to fill those spaces. Uh, Doing that would make this more like a real job, and I've already got a real job. But we were contacted by a uh, major book publisher that wanted to sponsor uh, tonight's show and and the next few. And my thought is, if it brings you, the listener, information about new Civil War books, that kind of sponsor seems to me consistent with what we're trying to accomplish you're in Civil War Talk Radio. If, say, a uh, company that makes e-cigarettes, vaping products, something that'll kill the, the user, wants to advertise, I'm not going to say yes to that. But if somebody wants to uh, tell you about a Civil War-related product, that seems to me useful. But I want to get your opinion. If, if you hear this and think it's a useful addition to the show, uh, that's fine. If you think it's a problem, let me know. I especially want to be sure that it doesn't provide present any appearance of conflict of interest. Uh, the book being advertised tonight uh, is Vicksburg by Donald Miller, which I've already, before the sponsorship was set up, had looked at and decided would be a, a book worth your time uh, to hear about. So uh, uh, Professor Miller will be on the show later this season. And I want to be very clear that the interviews on the show are not for sale. He's not going to appear because his publisher is advertising. Uh, he's going to appear because I've already seen the book and I, I think it's worth your time. I Well, let me be clear, even more clear, adver- interviews would be for sale if you had enough money. If, if anybody wants to sponsor the show for, say, $50,000, uh, you can bring on a uh, you know, a yellow pad with crayon scrawl on it, and I will interview you for an hour for that fee. But uh, in general, the show continues to be one where I choose the books based on one that I think are, are worth your time and mine. Uh, I, I don't, as you know, I don't bring people on the show to, to bash them, to tell you, the listener, what a bad book this is. That'd be a waste of everybody's time. So uh, let me know what you think. Uh I'm, I'm interested in the experiment and sponsorship and uh, will be curious to get your reaction as well. You can uh, sponsor the show yourself in a metaphysical way by contributing, uh, going to impedimentsofwar.org on the internet and contributing to the PayPal, uh, pressing the PayPal button there and contributing to the Civil War uh, Money for Jerry Fund, formerly the 
Civil War Talk Radio Book Fund, but who knows what it will be used on, really. It's not a charity. It's not tax-deductible. You can also find out who's on next. Uh, next week, for example, John Grady will be the guest talking about Matthew Fontaine Morey, the father of oceanography, also a U.S. and CSA naval uh, figure during the war. On the 13th of November, Philip Gerard brings us the last battleground. The Civil War comes to North Carolina. And then on November 20th, as mentioned a minute ago, we'll be talking about Vicksburg Grant's campaign that broke the Confederacy by Donald L. Miller. And uh, you'll be able to hear more about it in the commercials. And then we'll talk to Dr. Miller on the 20th. And we'll wrap up this fall season of 2019 on uh, December 4th and 11th. James Robbins Jewell on the 4th, talking about the 1st Oregon Cavalry. And Kevin Levin with his important book, Searching for Black Confederates, Civil War's Most Persistent Myth, at the end of the season on December 11th. Tonight, though, we are talking about Civil War Pittsburgh, not the first city we think of connected with the Civil War. It's not Richmond or Washington, D.C. And more important, it's not a book like so many of our show topics, uh, not even a, a website. We've done websites before. Uh, there is a website of Civil War Pittsburgh uh, recently created, but the real heart of this project is, as I said in the introduction, a Facebook page. So we're looking at something new this evening, and we'll find out more from our guest, uh, Rich Condon. Uh, Mr. Condon, are you there? I am, Jerry. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, and uh, congratulations on your sponsorship. Well, it, it's it's a brave new world. I'm, I'm really curious about it. It, it I didn't go out and seek it. It came to us, and my thought is, uh, if it's part of the Civil War community, if they're publishing worthwhile books, then then listeners ought to hear about it. But that's a question I'm going to ask you in the next segment: is is one about funding? How how does one get sponsors? How how do you make a project like yours work? Before I do that, though, I want to ask uh, about your day job. You mentioned that in an email to me, and I was fascinated by it. Uh, what what do you do during the working hours? So uh, my, my day job actually is with the National Park Service. I'm a, uh, a park ranger in the interpretive department at uh, Flight 93 National Memorial. Um, this is actually my second year there, and uh, currently I'm in my off season. So I actually have off uh, until April. So that gives me you know, almost two seasons to work on stuff for Civil War Pittsburgh. So, how did you get connected with this? This is the the nine eleven site in Pennsylvania where where Flight ninety three crashed. Uh, I'm sure everybody knows that uh, that story. Uh, so, what is there? Uh, it's it's not. I have not visited the site. Uh, I have to say, what is it accessible? And and what do you see when you get there? There's there's not. Uh, it's in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. I guess the the closest. Uh, major city is Pittsburgh, where I live. Um, so I actually usually commute from Pittsburgh. It's about mm-hmm. an hour and a half drive. Um, mm-hmm. But Shanksville is near uh, Somerset in Somerset County. Uh, there's not a whole lot around it, really. But uh, when you do go there, it's actually right on Lincoln Highway on Route 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you access the site, uh, we do have a, a visitor center with a 10-panel exhibit. Um, you know, visitors can come and... and kind of learn the story of United Flight 93 uh, in September 11th, 2001, uh, in chronological order. And then visitors can also get down to the Memorial Plaza, where uh, they'll find the crash site itself, um, which is the closest you can get, really. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's you know interesting, a reminder that history, you know, for better or worse, is always continuing to be made. The Park Service is not short of things that uh, deserve commemoration and, and memory, and that's certainly one of them. Uh, I do recall now seeing uh, signs for it, uh, driving on, on the turnpike, uh, when you mentioned Somerset, that, that rang a bell. You'll see uh, quite a few of those on, on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, and uh, you'll see just a few of them when you're on Route 30. Uh, sometimes it can be difficult for people to reach the site using GPS because you know cell phone service isn't the best out there. Um, you kind of have to know what you're looking for sometimes. Yeah. And, and Route 30, the, the Lincoln Highway, is really the, is the first Lincoln Memorial before the one in Washington was built. It's supposed to be a highway, was a highway, is a highway for that matter, from New York to San Francisco that you can still essentially drive the length of. Um, 
That'd be a good show topic some night. We'll have to do the Lincoln Highway. So, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying it's a that's that's the way I commute to work every day. Actually, um, you know, I, I could take the turnpike and it'd be a little bit faster to get to work, but uh, I kind of like start my morning, you know, driving through, uh, you know, Ligonier, past Fort Ligonier, and some of the smaller towns in uh, western Pennsylvania. Wow. So, what gave you the idea to create Civil War Pittsburgh? Uh, so I actually started it um, the first week of December 2018. So it's not even a year old yet. Um, but it, Facebook and uh, Instagram were really the, the launching pad for Civil War Pittsburgh. Uh, and it's grown into a lot more. Um, not, not really what I'd expected in less than a year. Um, but, you know, now it's turned into doing programming and uh, tours around the city and uh, Facebook live events, things of that sort, and in podcasting. Um, so kind of taking a different approach to Civil War history. Um, but, but really, it stemmed from a conversation I had with a friend who was attending the uh, Civil War Historians Conference in Pittsburgh. Um, I believe it was early last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they had the conference in Pittsburgh, but in, in downtown Pittsburgh, but they didn't really go out and see any Civil War sites in Pittsburgh. And he said, you know, what's the point of having a conference here if you're not going to go see Civil War sites in the city? You know, you might as well have it in Vegas. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, I listened to that and thought about it and let it seep in. And I was like, well, somebody, somebody should have a Civil War tour of Pittsburgh or at least talk about the unknown history of Pittsburgh in western Pennsylvania. That's what kind of started. That the uh, the idea of having the next Society of Civil War Historians uh, conference in Vegas. The next one, by the way, is going to be in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, I did not go to the Pittsburgh one, but I'll be in Raleigh. Uh, but Vegas, very tempting. Uh, we're going to take a short br- break and come back and find out just what there is related to the Civil War in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We're talking tonight with Rich Condon of Civil War Pittsburgh. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, and this is Civil War Talk Radio. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This week's episode is sponsored by Simon & Schuster, publishers of Vicksburg, Grant's campaign that broke the Confederacy by Donald L. Miller. In epic and sweeping fashion, Vicksburg chronicles the Union's year-long campaign to take Vicksburg and split the Confederacy while also arguing that the conquest of Vicksburg was the pivotal turning point of the war. Drawing on countless letters, diaries, and documents, Vicksburg vividly reconstructs the campaign from the viewpoints of soldiers, officers, Slaves and Citizens. It's an important book for your Civil War library and it's available now wherever books are sold. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access all the time streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com you are listening to civil war talk radio if you have a question or comment about our program please send an email to prokopovich g at ecu.edu 
That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U dot E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking tonight with Rich Condon of Civil War Pittsburgh. Civil War Pittsburgh is a, well, a website, but primarily a Facebook page and and more, which we'll talk about in just a moment. Um, Rich, in the first segment, you said you got the idea uh, when the, the Society of Civil War Historians held their annual meeting in Pittsburgh, didn't bother looking at uh, Pittsburgh Civil War sites. Uh, and then you, you said that, that the your your idea came about through both Facebook and Instagram. For the benefit of uh, the listeners who might be my age or older, uh, how does Instagram figure in this? How does it work uh, with a Civil War site? I, my familiarity with it is my daughter posts something and then it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I, I'm trying to picture how do you make this work for Civil War history? So I guess you could say... Uh, in- Instagram is a, I guess, a fairly new app. I mean, I think they they began that app back in 2011, 2012. But you know, it's it's kind of born out of, uh, as much as I hate to say it, instant gratification. Mm-hmm. And so I I use Instagram essentially to uh, reach a younger audience. Um, you know, it, it basically you can only use so many characters in a post, kind of like you would on Twitter. Um, so you kind of have to shrink everything down and make it a bit more palatable for a different audience. Uh, you know, I could I could write on a blog site all day and write several pages, but I don't know if anyone's actually going to read it. That's one of my, my fears, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but on something like Instagram, I can, you know, post the important photos that I want to show and say three, four paragraphs, uh, if that, uh, summing up what I'm talking about. And what I'll usually do is tell people where they can find more information uh, if they'd like to know more. So it's basically supposed to, you know, whet the appetite. It's in- interesting technique and makes sense for the audience you're trying to reach with this. Uh, is there any archiving of Instagram? Again, I, I, I don't use it myself uh, except to look at what my, my kids have posted or my, yeah. my wife who's much uh, hipper than I am, uh, <laughs> she will post things and, and I'll, I'll look at them. I guess I can see things that were posted a while ago if I'm following someone's account. Uh, I, but, but the essence of, of Instagram initially, I thought, was that you post a photograph, someone can look at it, and it disappears almost immediately. Well, there's, you can do that. Um, you know, They have what they call the Instagram story, and usually people will post something on there. It's usually something they're currently doing. Uh, and it stays up for one day. Um, and I use that sometimes if I'm trying to promote an event or something uh, along those lines. But it's also kind of like Facebook where you can post something and it's going to be on your account as long as your account's uh, active. Now, the, as far as the content of Civil War Pittsburgh, I, my first reaction when I heard about this was, you know, what is there about the Civil War in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, I figured there must be something, but what? And so by going to the Facebook page, I've learned about it. Uh, but for listeners, what, or for that matter, Civil War, uh, the, the Society of Civil War Historians who, who came to town and didn't see anything, what should they have seen? Uh, well, I actually, just about two weeks ago, did my first citywide tour of uh, Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had the General Meade Society of Philadelphia uh, come through. Um, I, th- I believe you might have interviewed Andy Wosky before, head of. That's right. Yeah, so uh, I took Andy and, and his group through the city on an eight-hour tour, and basically saw some of the the well-known sites around here, as well as the not so well-known sites. So, um, you know, Pittsburgh was actually stated uh, in the late 19th century by the Pittsburgh Daily Post to be known as uh, a forge of the Union. Um, you know, it's, it's in the Rust Belt. You know, this is an industrial mm-hmm. city. Uh, we have Allegheny Arsenal, or had Allegheny Arsenal uh, here, as well as Fort Pitt Foundry in the modern Strip District. 
Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Pittsburgh before. I've I've passed through it, uh, drove through it not too long ago, actually, but uh, not spent any substantial time there, no. Yeah, it, well, if you were to look at the city from, say, Mount Washington, which is one of the, the highest points in the city, you can see a place that's uh, called The Point, and it's actually um, the confluence of the Allegheny and Monongahela rivers. Uh, this is actually where the Ohio rivers formed. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Pittsburgh was very important in not just that it was a, uh, a manufacturing hub, but it's also a transportation hub and considered, uh, you know, a gateway to the West. Um, and actually, uh, you, United States Army engineers uh, visited the city in uh, 1861 and proclaimed that it was one of the most formidable cities um, in, in the entire United States. Uh, which I'll get to in a little bit uh, when we talk about the Civil War defenses of Pittsburgh, which is one of my favorite uh, subjects related to the city. Um, well, let, let's let's go to that because I'm curious when when I go to uh, a place, you know, I've, I've always got my eye out for uh, the Civil War trails markers that are put up throughout Virginia, North Carolina, uh, the East Coast. And or, or local historical markers, if there is something related to Civil War history, I'm curious to see it. But I have to admit, driving through Pittsburgh, it didn't occur to me that there would be things like defenses. Is there anything remaining of, of the defenses to see today? There's there's nothing uh, that's marked at all. Um, hmm. No, Unfortunately, no Civil War trail signs here uh, yet. That's hopefully something that we'll be working on uh, uh, for in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there, there are some remains of the Civil War defenses of Pittsburgh. Uh, there was 37 earthen structures that were, that were built in June of 1863. Um, but I've only found remnants of a few, um, including some rifle pits, about 100, uh, or I guess about 75 yards of rifle pits. Um, hmm. There is one fort remaining in its entirety, uh, and it's hidden up in the woods, um, actually off Stanton Avenue, named for Edwin Stanton. Um, it's a place called Fort Krogan. You know, they, I don't know if you're, you're familiar with the, um, uh, the summer scare of 63 on this side of the state, uh, but, you know, Pennsylvanians all over were nervous about where Robert E. Lee would end up mm-hmm. during the 1863 invasion. So you can, you can even find... Uh, you know, defenses near Philly and Harrisburg and Altoona. Um, but the city of Pittsburgh, it was basically an all-out effort um, placed on all the citizens of the city. Uh, actually, uh, Edwin Stanton had sent correspondence to Thomas Howe, um, his adjutant general appointed by uh, Andrew Curtin, and he said to him that, he was sending Major General William T.H. Brooks to Pittsburgh to take over command of the Department of the Monongahela, which extended from eastern Ohio to uh, about the middle of the state. And Brooks, once he got here, is going to um, start assembling teams and placing out a call for men to construct the defenses of Pittsburgh. Um, you know, they if you think back to 1863, especially June 1863, we aren't very far from what was the Virginia border. Mm-hmm. Um, we're near enemy territory, and uh, without the, the knowledge of the Confederate Army's whereabouts, um, they start throwing up these earthworks very rapidly. Uh, they actually enlisted the help of about 16,000 Pittsburghers and Western Pennsylvanians to erect these earthworks. So I find often knowing about where something is that isn't marked can in, in some ways be even more powerful than visiting a site that is marked. Uh, that if you know something happened in a place where everyone else is going about their business every day walking past it with no idea that there was a significant historical event there at one time, uh, that, that can be very impressive. So is that the kind of thing you do on the, the tours that you lead uh, See, you're able to point out sites that no one else recognizes as being related to Civil War Pittsburgh? Yeah, actually, most of the sites we go to um, are not well marked. There's mm-hmm. only a few uh, 
such as there's a, a Hamptons Battery Monument on north side of, uh, in Pittsburgh, which is formerly Allegheny City, um, and the Allegheny County Soldiers Monument in that same area. And, you know, we also have Soldiers and Sailors Memorial Hall and Museum, um, which is in, in the Oakland area. But aside from those uh, post-war structures, they're not, there isn't really much to be, to be seen, unfortunately. You kind of have to know what you're looking for. And, and that's what I'm kind of going for here is providing that context for people in a, a growing city. You know, in the last not even five years, our population has grown exponentially. Um, you know, it's a very tech-driven city. Mm-hmm. And one of the big fears of historical societies and historians in the area is that some of these places are going to be lost. And so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to promote the history of the city and um, surprisingly, it's, it's been um, interest in Civil War history here has been revived. Uh, you know, for example, Allegheny Arsenal. Um, there's really not much that exists of Allegheny Arsenal um, as of the 1920s and 30s. Uh, but there are a few select buildings from the arsenal that people can still see. Um, if you're familiar with the story of the Allegheny Arsenal explosion... Um, which took place September 17th, 1862, uh, same day as Antietam. There, uh, there isn't much left of that. And actually, where the explosion took place itself uh, is now a baseball field. So if I'm leading tours of Allegheny Arsenal and talking about this horrific event that took place there, you know, I'm, I'm basically talking about these uh, horrible events uh, nece- uh, next to a playground. In the middle of uh, City Park. For for uh, my background as well as the listeners, give us more detail on the the Allegheny Arsenal explosion of September 1862. So um, the the explosion uh, it, it, it's kind of a long story leading up to what happens, um, but the uh, chief of ordnance, guy named John Simmington, is going to be in command of. Allegheny Arsenal at that point in time. And uh, Symington had already had a reputation with the people of Pittsburgh uh, dating back to December of 1860 uh, when Secretary of War John B. Floyd had actually ordered weapons to be shipped from Allegheny Arsenal south to, uh, to fortifications that were being constructed in Louisiana and Texas. And Symington have sovereign sympathies because he almost complied with these orders 174 guns south um, to these forts. And this is around Christmas of 1860. Um, so people of Pittsburgh are going to put up enough of a fuss for that order to be countermanded. And so ultimately those, those guns are not shipped south, but that stigma sticks with John Symington well until September uh, 1862. Um, the days before September 17th, and really the, the months before September 17th, uh, Symington had actually taken some precautions to try to prevent a, a disaster such as that. Um, there, uh, there was cig- or cigar butts and uh, used pipe tobacco that were found laying about the grounds, um, and he ultimately fired 200 men and boys from the arsenal assuming that they're the ones that were smoking on the grounds. Um, you have all this you know, loose black powder laying around. Uh, they're reusing these, these gunpowder barrels over and over to the point where this black powder is just spilling out onto the macadamized road that leads up their laboratory buildings. So on September 17th, 1862, at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, there is a delivery driver, a guy by the name of Joseph Frick, who is making his last delivery for the day. He just picked up uh, several barrels of uh, gunpowder, 100-pound barrels of gunpowder. And at 2 o'clock, he's making his last delivery at the laboratories of the arsenal when he, in in his account, says that he noticed a spark from the wheel on his wagon or possibly a horseshoe uh, ignites a spark that lights up the black powder leading to Allegheny Arsenal. And ultimately, in a matter of five minutes, 78 people are going to be killed. 
were there women and girls working in the arsenal at that time as well as men? That's correct. The, uh, the, the 200 boys that Symington had fired before, he had replaced with younger women. Um, you know, in his eyes, he figured they're working for less money. And, you know, they have, uh, according to him, smaller fingers, a little bit more nimble, so where they can fill these cartridges, cartridges and orders much quicker uh, than the men that he had fired. So the, this is one of the, the largest casualty events among women in the Civil War uh, that takes place here in September of 1862, as you say, coincidentally, the same day as the Battle of Antietam. We're going to take another short break now, come back and talk more with our guest tonight, Rich Condon. He is the creator of Civil War Pittsburgh. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, and this is Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This week's episode is sponsored by Simon & Schuster, publishers of Vicksburg, Grant's campaign that broke the Confederacy by Donald L. Miller. In epic and sweeping fashion, Vicksburg chronicles the Union's year-long campaign to take Vicksburg and split the Confederacy while also arguing that the conquest of Vicksburg was the pivotal turning point of the war. Drawing on countless letters, diaries, and documents, Vicksburg vividly reconstructs the campaign from the viewpoints of soldiers, officers, Slaves and Citizens. It's an important book for your Civil War library and it's available now wherever books are sold. Attention. If you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guest show how our children and others are being dangerously lured by predators through the dark web, social media apps, and games. Beyond that, the program looks at trends in human trafficking and more. You'll never think of the Internet the same way again. Listen Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U dot E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking tonight with Rich Condon of Civil War Pittsburgh. Um, Back to uh, our guest tonight, Rich Condon, who has created a Facebook page, uh, a website, a series of tours and other uh, events, uh, concepts all around the idea of Pittsburgh, the the Civil War history of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which uh, is not the first place most of us think of in regard to the Civil War. In the last segment, though, we talked about the Allegheny Arsenal explosion, an event some of you uh, certainly have read about uh, Rich, I was thinking as you were talking about the question, uh, the question about preservation of these sites. Is is that an activity uh, that you see yourself being engaged in, trying to actually preserve or, or uh, create interpretation for sites on the ground? That's uh, that's the main idea behind Civil War Pittsburgh, and, and like I said, you know, uh, we're under a year old, so. Um, you know, we, there's a lot of things that I want to get done with Civil War Pittsburgh, and that is one of them, is uh, preservation efforts in the area, uh, and mainly interpretation and drawing attention to these places. Uh, you know, with 
an influx of people moving into the city that, you know, didn't grow up here. Um, I kind of take it upon myself uh, to to kind of educate, you know, these new citizens of Pittsburgh on uh, what the city has to offer historically. Um, you know, we have so many different uh, historic neighborhoods here that, you know, many of them have some kind of Civil War history tied to them uh, that I feel kind of obligated to, to teach that to the public. And one of them, one of the main ones is Allegheny Arsenal because uh, Lawrenceville is a uh, rapidly growing neighborhood. Um, there's a lot of uh, beautiful historic buildings and architecture in the neighborhood. Um, and one of the big fears is, is that some of those aren't, aren't, aren't protected and uh, we could lose them uh, in the next couple of years. Uh, you know, Allegheny Arsenal site, for example, is now um, where the iconic gatehouse used to be is, is the site of a uh, apartment high-rise, for example. Um, now, your, your point about the growing population of the city ties in with the question I wanted to ask and also relates to your, your earlier comment about using Instagram to reach a, uh, a younger audience, which is who, who is this aimed at? Uh, who, who do you see as, as your potential audience for Civil War Pittsburgh activities and uh, social media? Honestly, the, the demographic that I'm going for is, is everyone, anyone from you know, age 13 to, uh, to age 80. <laughs> um, I've done programs in Pittsburgh that have uh, actually um, had an audience of, of all those ages. Um, one of my most recent ones had multiple high school students, college students, and people into their, their 80s. Um, and so really anybody that's, that's interested in, in trying to figure out a different and more approachable way to, to teach them stuff and kind of bridging the gap between academia and the general public. Um, I figure at the end of the day, the people who are in this area going to commit money to preservation are going to be the citizens of Pittsburgh and Western Pennsylvania. So that's really who I'm trying to reach. Well, that, and that brings us, I guess, to the $64 question with any operation, whether it's Civil War Talk Radio or uh, Civil War Pittsburgh, which is uh, the money question. Speaking of which, I'm told we did get the commercial for uh, Don Miller's book in the first break. So, listeners, you did get to hear that. Uh, and, and maybe we'll add that to the subsequent breaks as the show is uh, archived. But, the uh, uh, you know, I, I have a day job. I do this as, as primarily a labor of love, not paid to uh, do the podcast, but get a great deal of satisfaction from interacting with the Civil War Talk Radio audience and with, with people like you who appear on the show, uh, it sounds like you're, you're deeply committed to what you're doing, but how how will it fund itself, or is this something you can continue to do? Well, I guess, I guess that's the question. Uh, you know, where's the money? So uh, there are uh, certain speaking events and programs that I do where I, I uh, uh, do receive payment. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you know, it is a labor of love, but um, I do have... Uh, an account set up where that money that I do make from these programs is set aside to basically keep it running. Um, I do have people who help me run uh, Civil War Pittsburgh events uh, who do it pretty much strictly on a voluntary basis because uh, at this point, you know, with Civil War Pittsburgh being in its infancy, I can't really afford to, uh, unfortunately, uh, pay anyone yet. Um, you know, uh, but... I've I've kind of learned how to how to budget this money fairly well and um, and basically keep it running uh, steadily uh, with that. Uh, I would like to um, turn Civil War Pittsburgh into a nonprofit. Um, that was actually one of my my projects for later this year. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Uh, as we move ahead in technological developments. The traditional model of the, the Civil War roundtable uh, group of people get together, talk about topics, bring in a speaker, maybe have dinner, uh, is a classic model that still thrives. The Civil War roundtable Congress just met in, in September, and, and uh, people are sharing ideas around the country. But the idea of a virtual roundtable through through what you're doing, um, I just wonder if what you're creating is, is perhaps a model for future 
ways to talk about Civil War history to start preservation efforts. I find that um, even in like the, the early days of, of Civil War Pittsburgh, uh, in, in, in late 2018, early 2019, um, one of the strongest tools that I've been able to use with other historians is uh, Facebook Live and any kind of live program. Uh, you know, a lot of people might not be able to make it out to a physical program or may- maybe can't physically do the walk. You know, if, if you're walking, say, Gettysburg Battlefield or Antietam mm-hmm. or something like that, um, you can bring it straight to their phones or their, their computers. And, uh, I found this to be a very valuable tool, especially uh, moving forward. Um there's another program, I, I believe I mentioned it to you, uh, Pennsylvania and the Civil War, uh, which is actually me and a few other younger historians from Pennsylvania who uh, started a, a blog site, but we also do the same thing with, with Facebook Live programs. Um, and we're actually doing quite a few of those moving forward through late 2019. Since you're on Facebook, I want to ask about the controversy surrounding that platform. Uh, During the last commercial break, I heard a promotion for a show warning us about the dark web and all the evil that happens here on the internet. And uh, I don't control what messages are played. Uh, uh, If you have a Facebook page, you don't control what ads pop up next to what you're doing. Someone clicks on Civil War Pittsburgh, but then there's an ad to the right about you know, some lost cause uh, speaker or event or or something completely unrelated that's just not very savory. Uh, is, is Facebook still the place to be? I think so. I mean, I find uh, Facebook gets a lot of traffic and interest from uh, people all over. I know that, uh, you know, newer generations call Facebook the, uh, the old people's platform. <laughs> And I'm, I'm 30 years old, so I guess I get lumped in with the old people. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't think that's uh, – there's no control over that really. And you basically just have to be good at curating your content and kind of stay on top of things. Um, sometimes, you know, uh, posts are made that maybe draw controversial figures or comments. You kind of just have to stay on top of that stuff um, and basically handle, handle it as professional as possible. Which takes time. I mean, that's not something that that, uh, that does itself. People talk about, you know, whether Facebook should be policing its own content uh, and the amount of hours it would take uh, in, in the millions well, to, thankfully, to do that. Um, thankfully, I have, I, I kind of treat Civil War Pittsburgh as a community. Um Actually, I, when I created the, the Facebook page initially, I created a group to go along with it that's called uh, Civil War Pittsburgh Community Group. And uh, people do a pretty good job of policing on their own, really. Everyone's been very supportive. Um, you know, if somebody sees something, they usually bring it to my attention immediately uh, or whoever else is handling the, the Facebook page at that time, whoever else has access. Um but uh, I find that a lot of people kind of jump on that stuff and are generally pretty responsible and, and can point out uh, when, when you have um, inappropriate content that's put on there. But I wanted Civil War Pittsburgh uh, to be a place where people can share their stories related to Western Pennsylvania's role in the American Civil War. So I see it as a group effort, too. And, and I probably should have stressed this more earlier, uh, that I'm aware how time-intensive something like that is. And looking at the Civil War Pittsburgh page, it's really impressive how much content you have uh, and how many people are contributing. Uh, and it looks like the Civil War Pittsburgh site shows over 2,000 likes. Uh, it took us uh, about 13 years to get to 1,000 likes here at Civil War Talk Radio. So that that's pretty uh, pretty good movement. The, uh, uh, the the variety of imagery that you you post and the the announcements and so on show that it's very much a live site. There there's new content all the time, uh, new new announcements, new articles, uh, new images, and and uh, the listeners. Uh, well, you'll see it for yourselves when you go check out Civil War Pittsburgh on Facebook. Just how much new. 
material is constantly appearing there. But it really is uh, an extraordinary commitment of time to make something like that happen. And I say I'm, I'm quite impressed by it. Normally, if somebody contacts me and says, hey, I've got a website, I want to be on the show, or I've got a Facebook page, uh, I, I tend to be skeptical. But looking at, at Civil War Pittsburgh, it looks like you were in it for the long haul and want to make this uh, a really significant Civil War resource. Well, it's, it's something that's not been done in, uh, in Pittsburgh. There's been a few books that have been released uh, over the last two decades about uh, Pittsburgh's role in the American Civil War, and they're you know really great resources. But I, I want to kind of keep it a um, uh, organic and flowing uh, institution, if possible. <laughs> um, I like to touch on those kind of obscure stories, the unknown stories uh, about Pittsburgh's role in the Civil War. And basically, the point that I want to get across is that the American Civil War is not just limited to the battlefield; uh, it affected people on the home front just as much. And, and I, I think uh, certainly the Allegheny Arsenal story brings that home, and as do uh, many of the other sites that, that you take tours to and, and talk about. Uh, well, we're just about at the end of our time. Um, give the uh, address uh, for both the website and, and the, the Pennsylvania group. Uh, where, where would listeners go if they want to see more about Civil War Pittsburgh? Uh, if, if you want to learn more about Civil War Pittsburgh, you can go to www.civilwarpittsburgh.com. Uh, or if you're looking for us on uh, Instagram or Facebook, you can search Civil War Pittsburgh. Um, if you want to learn a broader story about the state of Pennsylvania's role in the Civil War, uh, just go to pencivilwar.com. Or you can search Pennsylvania in the Civil War on, uh, on Facebook or Instagram. Well, I've enjoyed our conversation tonight, and especially, uh, as I said in the introduction, there are some older historians who don't think much about uh, social media as a tool for Civil War history, uh, and uh, have even gone so far as to misstate the idea that that other historians don't think much either. Uh, Obviously, uh, people like you are showing that to be wrong, and it's uh, good to know that the next generation of technology is being used not just to promote uh, crazy conspiracy theories, but also to uh, tell people about the Civil War. So, Rich, I want to thank you very much for being on the show this evening. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And listeners, as always, thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio. Thank you for embarking on a part of American history this week. Civil War Talk Radio with Jerry Prokopovich can be heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.